I've started six companies in my life. Absolutely getting the right software is critical. FreshBooks is definitely the best thing I've found for small business. It's really intuitive. I don't know what you guys do to make it so easy. It's probably the streamlined aspect of it. I absolutely love the software and the capacity that it had, so I promote it on my blog to others and encourage them to use it. The time tracker is like the biggest thing for me. It gives me the confidence to send an invoice that I otherwise would like feel insecure about sending. I'm a millennial cloud accounting. I thought, heck yeah, I'll just send invoices this way. With my business, I am often all over the place. So the fact that it's cloud-based makes it really easy to access whether you are on the road um, or at home. It just makes our connection super simple. I get paid really quickly. My experience with FreshBooks has been overwhelmingly positive, and I would recommend it to anyone. That's what people are saying about FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting software for small business owners and their teams. Maybe it's time you gave us a try. Use the special link freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L, short for I make a living, to get a special offer that's exclusively for our podcast listeners. This is the I Make a Living podcast. I'm your host, Demona Hoffman, and I'm one of you, an entrepreneur whose business success depends on networking and closing sales. In honor of Women's History Month, we're talking to some women in our network of female entrepreneurs who are building businesses with bright futures. Today's guest is celebrity matchmaker and TV personality, Carmelia Ray, who from the start was a bright star in her industry. And I started in the matchmaking industry in 1992. So I was in my early 20s and I applied for a telemarketing job. So I had the pleasure of speaking to people that took an interest in matchmaking. I had been working for a very large uh, dating agency or matchmaking agency that had 15 offices across Canada. And I had worked with another organization that had North American offices. And I had mainly been running the um, sales and marketing and call center for this company. So that, uh, when you say sales and marketing, that's like acquiring new people that might want to be matched up. For well, there are people, date. yes, people who had expressed an interest responded to a form of marketing or advertising saying, do you want to work with a matchmaker? And we would book appointments and meet people in person and present them with matchmaking options. In your full-time job, you're at a big company, Big right? company so at the top you... of my game at the big company, making decent money. Anything to do with the sales side of that business or generating revenue from marketing to email campaigns to lead generation, I was involved in all of those meetings. So I had the skills to do everything on my own and I made many companies a lot of money. When I when I thought about the knowledge that I did have and I start and I started going to these other conferences talking about what I did mm -hmm. and and could see the look in other matchmakers eyes going you know a lot and can you share that? That's when I started to think okay I can probably do this on my own. So 2010 I, launched, I, I started with a dating blog called datingloveandsextips.com. I met a guy who convinced me to start a blog that said, if you start a blog, um, you will make money. He was a webmaster, still my current web developer, Patrick. And he was like, you have so much experience in the matchmaking industry. You've helped so many people. You should share that with other people. I mean, how do I share that? Well, through a blog, write dating advice, right? And, and sell yourself. Do it for yourself. And I'd always thought about doing it for myself, but I was comfortable. I, I liked the paycheck. I liked the benefits. I was like, how am I going to 
it was it was a it was a big leap of faith for me to leave my full-time job and to do it on my own. Carmelia says this was a scary transition, and I can completely relate to that fear. I felt it myself when I left the media executive career that I had spent over a decade building. But what I had to remember in that moment is that I wasn't walking away empty-handed. I was leaving with a wealth of knowledge and experience that could lead me to my next opportunity. What were the first 30 days like? How did you prepare to take that step? And how did it play out for you at the very beginning? Who did you go to for resources? (laughs) I remember the day that I made this decision and it was a shock to everybody. So what they had done is they brought the entire company together because I was one of the head executives. They did not want to cause this like, why is Carmelia leaving? Because it would have been a shock to everybody. And it was And I was shaking. I was, my hands on the wheel and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. How am I going to make the next page? I literally was like, did you have a plan at that point? Had you Uh, planned what the next step was going to be? Yes. The first step for me was to get together with the web, my webmaster to figure out a content plan and to start writing. The very first thing that I could figure out was how to, what I should be writing about because I thought if I write about an article, the, my target audience is just going to read it and fill out a lead form and work with me. That's not how it goes because first of all, there's hundreds of other sites that are out, that are out there. So I was able to do that because I had a two-year, what I thought in terms of financial resources, I had enough um, reserve to, to have me float for two years if I made no money at all. And I never had intended to not make money. So my plan was, who do I want to approach? What do I want to offer? And just really be clear on how I'm going to come out to the world as a matchmaker and how I'm going to come out to the world as a coach. So the first order of business was in the first 30 days was what was I going to offer? What was going to be my offer and how was I going to facilitate on that? Because as a new matchmaker, every matchmaker will tell you, when you get your one client, who are you going to match that person with? They didn't collaborate in, in, in the past. I couldn't go to LifeMates and say, can you help me match this person? I was done. That door was closed. So it took me at least three months to start to build a network of singles and tell people that I was now on my own, register for my database. A lot of it was on the ground. But mo- the first 30 days was tons of research um, lack of sleep, writing, 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 and then just crafting my offer, figuring out what I was going to offer and then how I was going to even collect that money. And how long did it take you to actually sign that first client? By the end of that year, I had a six months, it was summertime that I left. So within that six months, I had already had a coaching client, like a business consulting client. And I had had started to take on some coaching clients. And I remember, Demona, the price of our, my programs are considerably higher, but I think my first program and person I charged was 1500 because I was just like, I'm just going to start. I wasn't attached to what that number was, but I'm like, I just wanted to start conservatively, start small so that I was terrified of giving somebody a refund. But that's how it was for me. It was very, very tiny baby steps until I, I got my feet wet. But yeah, first 30 days was planning, planning, organizing, and it was a very determined, um, Uh, you know, very determined way of being. I just had a a vision and I had to write it all out. Mm -hmm. It was terrifying. I just was, I'm a risk taker. And I just said I was, it was going to be an all or nothing. So the first year I spent writing 
and blogging. As you know, if you're a blogger, the only way to get found on Google and what my partner had told me is just write, 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 write. So I wrote an ebook. I wrote a blog content on all the different areas for dating advice that I was an expert in, be it coffee date tips, first date tips, what to say on a first date, why I should hire a matchmaker. I mean, there's just so many topics to talk about. And I also marketed myself as a telemarketer, as a salesperson for other matchmakers who could not close as well as I could close. So they would hire me to call their leads and I would get a commission on those sales without having to facilitate any service, which was perfect because I love selling matchmaking. When I say selling, I mean, I love offering singles an opportunity to work with a professional that's going to help them. So, so I never look at that as sales because it's, it's really offering them a service that they don't exist. Carmelia found ways to monetize her skill in sales to create additional revenue through B2B services. The moral of this part of her story is don't leave money on the table. Things were going pretty darn well for Carmelia. But then something even more amazing happened. In 2013, so it took me three years to build my blog. And then I launched CarmeliaRay.com, my personal brand, in 2011. And I, I auditioned for a part called Mom vs. Matchmaker, my current TV show, which this uh, season four aired in this fall. Um, four seasons of Mom vs. Matchmaker, I was able to create enough of a brand within the three years to be recognized. And they approached me because of my website and they saw um, all the credibility that went behind there. But it was a tough three years of getting noticed when I was the woman behind the scenes. If you had Googled me in 2010, you wouldn't have found anything. Coming from a background in television, I know it seems very glamorous from the outside. <laughs> okay. And you know, you're, let them believe that, Demona. <laughs> no, it's, no. It's so glamorous. on the show we keep it real, Carmelia. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what? Uh, I'm sure it's been an amazing marketing tool for your business. Mm-hmm. But what were some of the things you didn't realize when you when you stepped into that space of not only being an entrepreneur, but now also in a way being a television personality? Well, I mean. There were a couple things. For three months that you're actually filming the show, I am giving up a lot of opportunities to develop my own business. Because the television show, I'm paid as a host, but I'm not the executive producer and I'm not the, the network. So although I'm paid as a host and what I'm investing in is my brand and having the visibility of the thousands of viewers that would see me. But in those three months that I'm giving up a lot of my time to, to shoot the show, how much of that it would be, what's the uh, opportunity cost loss, right? For for not having um, 40 hours a week to develop myself. How many clients do I have to put on pause uh, be, in order for me to do this show? And that's three seasons, that's four seasons. So three months of a year, I'm pretty much at a, a fair, fairly a halt. And I have children, Mm-hmm. And I had a baby in between season one and season two, right? <laughs> so I was nursing on the set of season two. And for any female entrepreneurs who are also mompreneurs, I got to tell you, when I found out I was pregnant after season one, and I and it it just I thought I was just exhausted, but I was pregnant, right? I was exhausted, but it was first trimester. I just want to sleep the entire time. So at the end of season one, when I'm shooting promo for the next season. In between that, I discover that I'm actually pregnant. 
And not only that, I'm a brand new TV host. I am about to go into season two and I'm doing the math and it's like, I would have just going to deliver this baby and have to be on set eight weeks later. How am I going to do this? So that was nerve wracking for me to do that. There were so many things to consider. There were, um, you know, finances, of course, because I have a baby. The other part is, yes, I was hired as the sexy, sassy matchmaker and now I'm nine months pregnant. Am I going to be a sexy, sassy matchmaker after I give birth? And I'm 44. I had the baby at later on in life. So that was a consideration. Those of you who are parents know that having a kid who requires a lot of your time helps you prioritize what you need to get done. You know what they say. If you want something done, give it to a busy person. But this came at a time when Carmelia was already spinning tons of plates. Like I had about five or six different things going on. So my, I have multiple streams of revenue coming in as an entrepreneur. And there isn't a guaranteed income for, for someone who's a consultant or someone who's a matchmaker. The only guaranteed income you have is if you're going to help the next person in your business. Yeah, But I'm sure there have been times where... Like any business, you mm -hmm. have ebbs and you have flows. Yes. What's the first thing you do when you get to a point where you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to make my monthly nut right now. How do you get out of that rut and how do you get the machine going so that you can make the money you need to make? Anytime I've ever been in a situation where I was panicked or concerned about that monthly nut, as you call it. I like, I need more nuts. Where are they? <laughs> um, I would always invest in coaching or find a mentor or be around other successful people that were making it in the industry or that were really inspiring and uplifting. And I just surrounded myself with those types of people. And I got really focused, really focused, really goal oriented and worked backwards, always worked backwards. Like how, what's the amount of money I need to make to survive What's the amount of money I need to make to thrive? I usually like to focus on the thrive number and not the survive number. But when you are in basic survival mode, let's say the number is $5,000. I got to make $5,000 this month. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to need one client or two clients or three clients. I need a consulting per Like I know what services I have to offer. And so I know that in order for me to make that quota, I've got to be out there generating um, interest, generating myself as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. When you're in that position of, I'm not going to make it, I need $5,000 this month and I don't have it and I need to figure that out. I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, there's this element of desperation that starts to creep into their sales pitch and process. Yes. How do you, how do you handle that and, and keep, keep it in the best interest, I guess, of the client, right? Instead of coming from a place of, if I don't make this sale, I'm yes. not going to make a living. I invested in a mentor. I invested in a coach. And I just really wrote it down, was very methodical about it, and did not focus on the money. I focused on how can I help the client? How do I find the client? Let the money push that aside. Because if you help people, the money will come. That's it. When you're focused on the money, no matter what business you're in, they smell that too. They smell the desperation. They sense that in you, that you're there to get them to sign a piece of paper versus you're there to help. Mm -hmm. So always focus on your customer and how you can best help them. And maybe you've got to give more 
than what your standard program is. If you do this, I will do this and this. So maybe it's incorporating a really amazing deal or program that'll help you get them to get, to go on board with you. So do you have different different levels, different incentives that you've already figured out? Like if you're going into the pitch, I know I can give on these three points if yes. this person gets to the place where they're like, eh, I'm not really it, sure. It, yes. It, you know, sales is really always just a negotiation sometimes. When you when you can have an agreement between you and your client, even if your program, say, is $10,000 for six months, and that's an average price, by the way, for to hire a matchmaker, and yet and you're really worried about making that paycheck, could you give them, you know, half the amount for half the time? So you're getting something. Or could you say, normally it's six months, 10,000 for six months, but I will give you a bonus four months. I think the, the problem in that though, is that sometimes people give away the farm. Like if it takes six months to find a match for you, if that's the average amount of time, then what are, what's their expectation? If you cut it in half, are they expecting something in three months that you might not be able to deliver in that time frame? Right. But you're, but you're also not giving them the same promise. You're so this person is iffy, like in this particular situation, let's just do a trial or let's do a taste for the program. And that way you're going to get all of the full service, but you're going to get it in a shorter time frame, and and maybe that's the answer. And if someone's, if you know that that person's anxious already, and they really need the time, you may want to consider just giving a discount. A, a great way for any company, anytime when I worked with past companies and they were looking for an injection of revenue, they would just offer a sale. Why do you think we have Black Friday or we have like there's sales all the time. So if you're an entrepreneur and you need to give a little bit of a discount to incentivize people or offer them an extra something with your package, you're going to get an hour of coaching or you're going to get dinner for two at this restaurant. It doesn't even have to have a high value. It just has to be very personalized to them. Mm, that's great advice. So let's go back to talking about these collaborations and partnerships, because that's something I know you've really excelled at. One of the reasons that you've been able to consult for so many companies and so many matchmakers is that you focus on building relationships. How do you, how, how does that work for you? And how do you look at, like, if you're meeting another matchmaker, say sure. at the matchmaker conference, you have to be able to, you have to build relationships in order to move your business forward sure. as well. So can you talk a little bit about like the difference between competition and collaboration in the way that you run your business and the way that you build relationships yeah, with other it, matchmakers? It's so funny because as you know, Demona, first of all, in night from nine, in 1992 and even early two thousands, you would not talk to your neighbor. Okay. You could be two matchmakers in the same city and it was very cutthroat. And in fact, it was to the point where if I, if I'm Cupid's corner and somebody else is matchmaker plus, I don't even know if, if these companies exist. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is you, just a scenario. This is just a scenario. You know, it's not, it, it's not unheard of for a person in the office sitting across from the client berating the other. Oh, you went over there. Oh my God. I heard that that company does this and they're terrible and whatnot. Right. So in the city of Toronto here every month, I've, I've coordinated a monthly mini matchmaker meeting. Actually, we're doing that this Thursday where 
seven matchmakers who have all successful businesses get together and we collaborate on our clients. So the win for me is that I truly believe in an abundance mentality. It's not competition, it's collaboration. My clients are going to come to me and they're going to work with me and their clients are going to go to them and work with them. So it's how best, I think it's a marketing game, right? Because if you heard about me, you're going to come to me. I'm not really fearful that you're going to go to that other company, but if you are, I'll even say something. I said this to a recent client who chose to hire me over another company. The first match you make, and, and I, my, I have to say this about Maria Avgatidis. She got, I got this quote from her. The first match you make is with your matchmaker right? You could choose to work with another matchmaker, but working with me means I'm representing you. I'm going to represent you with the other matchmakers and we're going to build a relationship. That's how you're, that's what you're hiring. You're hiring me, us to work together and build that relationship. And if you go to matchmaker B, that's fine. It just means you feel more comfortable with their ability to get the job done. Either way, I'm going to get the job done. So it's, it's me or whomever. But you sort of need to, you need to forge relationships with other matchmakers because if you're matching for someone, they might have the match that you Absolutely. need, right? But we also, we also respect each other in that for those who are listening that don't know anything about the matchmaking business, we do pay each other referral fees. And if a client is, is, has joined my service and, and another matchmaker has a database client, someone who is a non-paying member, I actually have to pay for that client's information to facilitate a match for my client. The reason why someone's investing thousands of dollars into my company is that I'm expected to take those resources and do what by whatever means necessary to find a match, whether that's hiring a recruiter, placing an ad on Facebook, um, doing a personalized event, or, or paying another matchmaker, right? I just had this happen. I have um, a client that just signed up. I have women in my database and some of those women pay and some of them don't pay. But this client in particular says, I only want to meet other paying clients. So I can reach in my own database and say, I've got an, I think I have a great match for you. However, he's only meeting paying clients. Are you open to paying, you know, this match fee? So th- it's such an interesting um, negotiation and different scenarios. But with other matchmakers, of course, I always want to be very collaborative. It, it's unfortunately not always that case. And not every matchmaker subscribes to the collaboration concept. So they're just happy to work within their own community. Um, it's funny, like the It's Just Lunches, which is a big franchise across North America. I'm not sure if they collaborate with other matchmakers or if they have enough of a data pool to just work within their own system. Or like companies like Three Day Rule, or, or companies that are like dating agencies. Mm, you, okay. so I don't it's know different if the, than, yeah, than a boutique matchmaker a boutique. that may be working with 20 private clients. A lot of boutique matchmakers will work from with 10 to 30 private clients. It's usually not more than that because it's so high touch and, and so um, communicative, like with your client, you're in regular communication. It's right. hard to take on more than 30 people. But Carmelia isn't just networking in her industry. She's also thinking of different ways that she can add value for her clients by collaborating with other entrepreneurs who provide different but complementary services. Remember that a rising tide lifts all boats. I've also seen on your website, you have other services that you thought to offer to your clients that would make them more successful. So you have stylist, you have other photography, uh, digital concierge. 
How uh, do you build fitness out- and nutrition, <laughs> everything? How do you build out that team? And how do you because obviously they have their own businesses, right? Correct. That they are running. So it's a collaboration. It's not like you're bringing them in house. So how do you work that out to make it a situation that's mutually beneficial? Well, that's great. I, and I think this is really what I've I I feel really confident in is finding the win in the collaboration and in that affiliate partnership. So of course, many of my clients who come in, some of them don't have experience dating. Let's take a divorced dad who's been married for 20 years, is coming in the dating space and is like, I have no clue what to wear, what to say, what to do, where to go. That's an ideal person to work with, a stylist, to work with an um a coach, a relationship and dating coach to work with a professional photographer to get those photos. Cause what grown man do you know, goes into a professional photography studio to take pictures for a dating site or for a matchmaker. And he's not really not out there like taking selfies on Instagram. Exactly. (laughs) So, so this is the service. And then, and then other times, because a lot of my clients are C-level entrepreneurs themselves or executives, they themselves have their own uh, services. So I've referred my clients to a professional accountant, to a mortgage broker, to any of the services that they might offer. I have done connections with client to client based on those business relationships that I've formed. Um, there's just multiple ways to do that. And of course, if you're out there, out and about, and you're networking, every person you meet at least for me, I, I always look at it as what relationship can I build or is there a relationship to build with this person? If I see an opportunity to collaborate, then I will. How many times have I been on your podcast or I wish I had a, two, maybe three, at yeah. least two, maybe three. And I mean, we're sharing content. We're talking about relative things, but we've, we've not collaborated on a client yet. But if I knew somebody that needed a coach that you were an expert in, because we've had this relationship, I would just say, you need to go to Demona. Uh, the collaboration is just, what does your client need? And how can you take the extra step to help them get that support? And when I refer a client who's struggling with something and they don't expect that, it goes a long way. It really, really goes a long way. Well, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are just doing the minimum. And like you said, you're you're really focused on service. And that mm-hmm. seems to be something that's been throughout your career. Now, you're also focused on building these relationships. Mm-hmm. How does that impact your own relationship? And when you're running a business and you have a new baby and you, you have two older kids as well, I mean, that's- Why are a- you asking all these tough questions, <laughs> I'm going to go that's now. That's what I do. I ask the <laughs> tough questions. But- you know, it's, I'm really, I'm really, really lucky that my partner has been with me for the last 12 years has seen me go through this and understood that I was an entrepreneur and that I've always been busy. Even if I wasn't working, when I had worked at the dating agency as an employee, I worked a lot. I loved what I did. So, but to answer your question, I, my children and my partner sometimes have to remind me that I need to take a break. Really and truly, I think I've had burnout twice. I've literally had burnout twice where um, I, I remember one time, I don't, I don't know if I was in bed for like four days. I just crashed and burned for a bit, right? And I didn't know. And sometimes when you're doing too much, you get you get like paralyzed. And that's happened. That, hap- that happened to me once. However, on the regular, I'll get reminded that if we're going out for dinner or we're doing something, they'll say, this is a no phone dinner. Or like I have it in my to-do list and it's another goal for 2020 is to actually schedule 
my family time, schedule dates with my family. And I, and I have three different children. So I have to schedule a date with my son. I have to schedule a date with my daughter, my older daughter. I took her to Paris um, not that long ago because I went to the UK conference and I'm like, I haven't spent a lot of time with her. So she flew with me. And sometimes the kids travel with me. You see me, my husband and my little one travel with me because that's the only time I'm going to maybe spend with them in that busy time as I'm doing all these things. So balancing that can be very challenging. But my my kids keep me, you know, they're the ones that tell me when I need to... Um, slow down or uh, my daughter will be calling me and say, Hey mom, where are you? (laughs) I haven't seen you in two days, (laughs) you know? And she's older now. She's like 20. It's like, it's on the calendar, babe. I've told you I'm in like blah, blah, blah. So you, do you share a calendar? I do, but you know, sometimes they don't, sometimes they don't um, share, like refer to it obviously. And I tell them, I said, mommy's going to be gone from here to here. And she just, maybe goes in one year out the other, but that's when I, I remind myself, Hmm, I need to do a better job of communicating my whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have a white ball, white, whiteboard wall on our fridge so that it says where mom's going to be. I also have a calendar where I write that in. Nicholas knows everything that I'm doing and where I'm going. That's my partner because we share a three-year-old. So we're ba- balancing pickup and, 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 and drops, drop-offs. So today, like we had to take our daughter, entrepreneur life. She's supposed to be in daycare, but after here, I'm going to go see, um, the final private showing of mom versus matchmaker season four. And I live in Brampton. So rather than driving down to do this podcast, driving all the way back to Brampton, coming all the way back at six o'clock to be in Toronto, we just grabbed our daughter from day t- daycare after the podcast, we're going to go to the park or, or do some family stuff together. And then I'm going to go watch, uh, do the premiere of, of our show mom versus matchmaker season four. And that's today. But in between that, there's client calls and I'm on my phone and I'm doing matches. I had to put three people together today. So it's a lot. Aren't we lucky to have so many tools that help us? Oh, my goodness. Technologically. I love to ask the entrepreneurs on this show for their favorite tips or tools. Do you have any tips that that you can offer from your experience or any tools that help you make this entrepreneur life more livable for you? Uh, well, Zoom is a Zoom is a favorable platform for me when it comes to meetings, uh, recording calls, and video. Um, WhatsApp I tend to use a lot. WhatsApp I have several groups between myself, the coaches, and the client, so it allows all of us to have instant communication, or where I can where I can interview, sorry, where I can monitor the dialogue. So when someone signs up with me and they get their digital coach. Right away, a a WhatsApp group is created between myself, the coach, and the client. So I get to oversee everything, but that conversation happens between the coach and the client, and I can chime in whenever I want. So WhatsApp has been amazing. For many of the companies that are startups that I'm talking with, like Sensio, the matchmaking app, we use Trello. For my mastermind groups, I've used Slack um, because there's tasks and there's different notes and I'm, I'm learning all of this technology. It's a lot, but favorite that I use all the time is, is likely a uh, zoom, WhatsApp, Trello, Slack. It's like, Oh my God. For signature contracts, I'm using hello sign, uh, because a lot of agreements are done, uh, through electronic signature. And then I have used Calendly to book appointments. So there's just so many, so many tools. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot to manage. Yeah. 
Uh, so these tools are really crucial for you. Something I've heard from a lot of the female entrepreneurs at our I Make a Living live events is that so many of us have trouble with sales. Even though we know what we have to offer, we sometimes feel uncomfortable asking for what we're worth. Carmelia is a great example of selling confidently and being bold about getting paid for the value that she offers others. Here's a summary of what Carmelia taught us today. Focus your sales pitch on the value proposition for your clients rather than on the minutiae of the product or service. And try not to sound desperate, even if you are. Get organized and plan as much as you can. Always incorporate time with family and loved ones into your schedule, no matter how busy your business gets. Network like you would make friends. The more relationships you build, the more robust your sales network. And collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. See what Carmelia is up to at CarmeliaRay.com or on social media at CarmeliaRay. And look out for the fourth season of Mom vs. Matchmaker. Carmelia is a master of matchmaking and so much fun to watch on TV. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. Paco Erzmendi is our producer and director. And I'm Damona Hoffman, your host and producer. If you want to chat with me about relationships, business, or anything else, you can find me at Damona Hoffman or at DamonaHoffman.com. Also, let's connect at an I Make a Living live event. You can go to imakealiving.com to see when we'll be in a city near you. Get yourself that special podcast listener offer at freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L. And remember, you're worth every penny because it's your business. Women's History Month continues, so I'll see you next week.